Ever wish you could forget the past? Let's grab our Bibles this morning and turn to Isaiah 42 again. This is the second week, as we've been hearing, of our Search for Truth series. Last week, we considered what to do when nothing makes sense. This week, it's uh, freedom from the past. People who, uh, who know me really well will tell you that I am actually pretty good at forgetting things. Uh, my long-term memory really isn't all that good. I tend to forget events from my past, different stories. My short-term memory, though, it's not all that great either. For example, and maybe I'm not alone here this morning, I am constantly forgetting where I left my car keys. Am I alone? Yeah. Um, constantly doing that. I am always losing the television remote control. Maybe you're, maybe I'm not alone. Uh, I have been known to ask for doggy bags at restaurants and then leave the doggy bag on the restaurant table. Am I alone there? I have uh, even had a dream once that I forgot my notes, imagine it, uh, while I led communion here at Moncton Wesleyan Church. Can you imagine that? <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. Favorite story uh, illustrating this tapper forgetful gene, though, is a camping story from my childhood. My parents, uh, my sister and I, we camped a lot when I was growing up. In fact, we traveled all across Canada one summer uh, in our RV trailer. The day that we drove uh, through Medicine Hat, Alberta. Anybody been through Medicine Hat, Alberta? I see some hands. That's good. Good. We were told at the campground, before we went through Medicine Hat, Alberta, how friendly the people of Medicine Hat really, really are. Nicest people that you are ever going to meet, people say, people said, uh, are in Medicine Hat, Alberta. And so packing up and loading up really, really early one morning, we were driving through this beautiful town, this beautiful city called Medicine Hat, Alberta, towing our trailer behind us. And sure enough, cars were pulling out into the passing lane. And as they passed us, they gave us an energetic medicine hat wave. A medicine hat wave. And so we waved back. Well, this continued, church, for a little while. Cars, they pulled out. They gave us this energetic wave. We waved back. Took a few of these exchanges, these waves, and finally a look in our rearview mirror for us to realize that we had forgotten something, church. Yes, uh, Team Tapper had forgotten to secure the RV awning on the trailer. And yes, it was almost fully extended and flapping in the wind before we realized our oversight and we pulled over. But friends, really, that was not the worst of our forgetfulness on that particular morning. You see, in our haste, leaving early that morning, forgetting to secure our RV awning, driving through friendly Medicine Hat, Alberta. That wasn't our only oversight. No, no, no. <laughs> Team Tapper had also forgotten to close the dirty water valve on the RV holding tank. Must have been quite a view following Team Tapper 
that day. Such friendly, waving people in Medicine Hat, Alberta. We haven't been back. Uh, now my awkward attempt to transition back to Isaiah 42. <laughs> Friends, it, it's not just day-to-day -day things that we forget. Sometimes we forget spiritual things, don't we? Isaiah 42, we catch a glimpse of God's message to a people who had forgotten who God is and who they were. So let's, let's back up a little bit in this story to understand a little bit about the context of Isaiah 42. The Israelites, as many of you would know, had been enslaved in Egypt. But God delivered those people, and God made a relational covenant with these people. God led them into the wilderness and into the promised land of Canaan. And there they established themselves as a nation, and they built a beautiful temple for the Lord. And for centuries, they experienced victories and defeats under various kings and generals and leaders. And we can read about those victories and those losses in our Bibles. And when those Israelites, they, they failed to stay true to God, who called them back? It was the prophets. The prophets. And then the unthinkable happened. The Babylonians came in and they, they defeated Israel and the temple was destroyed and Israel was plundered and people were taken into captivity and they were relocated the babylonian triumph over israel was decisive and absolute now i want you to imagine that with me this morning try to at least for these people the israelites this was utter complete devastation of the political, social, economic, and religious life that they had ever known. The life that they had known for centuries. Everything got turned upside down. And the people wondered, has God abandoned us? Has God abandoned us? Without the temple and the land, are we still the people of God? Is God still with us? Has God changed his mind? You see, in that situation, the people had forgotten some things. And so they needed a reminder. Church, it's into that particular historical situation. Isaiah speaks a reminding word of hope to a forgetful people. It was a notice of who God is and how God works. It was a call to look outside of the immediate moment right specifically in front of them, as hard as it is, as hard as it was, and to look at a larger purpose and a clearer picture of the character of God. So let's read that again. Mark, Pastor Mark read part of that in Isaiah 42. Let's start in verse 1. Look at my servant whom I strengthen. He is my chosen one who pleases me. I have put my spirit upon him. I will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or raise his voice in public. He will not crush the weakest reed or put out a flickering candle. He will bring justice to all who have been wronged. 
He will not falter or lose heart until justice prevails throughout the earth. Even distant lands beyond the sea will wait for his instruction. God the Lord created the heavens and stretched them out. He created the earth and everything in it. He gives breath to everyone, life to everyone who walks the earth. And it is he who says, I the Lord have called you to demonstrate my righteousness. I will take you by the hand and guard you. And I will give you to my people, Israel, as a symbol of my covenant with them. And you will be a light to guide the nations, and you will open the eyes of the blind, and you will free the captives from prison, releasing those who sit in dark dungeons. I am the Lord. This is my name. I will not give my glory to anyone else, nor share my praise with carved idols. Everything I prophesied has come true. And now I will prophesy again. I will tell you the future before it happens. You know, sometimes when I read the prophets, like we've just read here this morning, the, the language, it, it seems so foreign, so irrelevant to us today that it takes a little bit of work sometimes to bridge the gap between 500 BC and February 2017. So I want us to dig for a little bit. Can you do that with me this morning? We're going to dig a little bit into this particular text. Does that sound all right? Okay, good, good, awesome. One thing I noticed, maybe you did too, there is a word that is repeated three times in the first four verses. Did you catch it? What was the, what was the word? Good, wow, good, excellent. You guys are listening. That's awesome. The Hebrew word here used is mishpat. Mishpat. We translate it in English as justice. Now, the meaning of the word mishpat includes, indeed, what we specifically today translate as justice, but it does have a larger scope, particularly in the text that we just read, larger than the one that we are used to actually giving to the word justice. You see, justice today in our modern context has a very strong connection, obviously, to our legal system and to the idea of maintaining order through legal structures. That's justice today. We often understand justice as the legal idea of making things right. But here in our text, in the original meaning of this particular text, it's not just order and righteousness in the legal sense. More broadly, mishpat, justice, means the right ordering of all things, everything. Can you say everything with me this morning? Everything, good, yeah, of everything. So in verse 1, God introduces a servant, God's own servant, it says, my servant. And the mission of this yet-to-be-named servant is to establish God's right order in the world, to put to right all aspects and phases of the world, be it moral, religious, spiritual, political, economic, everything. And so the first idea from this passage I want us to grab onto is that justice involves God making all things right. All things. Everything. Everything. Next thing that I want us to notice about this servant's mission is its scope. How big is it? 
How big is it? Well, verse 1 in the passage that we just read says that it extends to all the nations, the nations of the world. And then in verse 4, it says, even to distant lands, it says there in verse 4. Some translations say remote islands or coastlands. Now, what's the idea there? Here it is. God intends to go everywhere with his mission and with his message. So God makes everything right, and this rightness will extend everywhere. Everywhere. Third thing I see in this prophecy is the striking description of the unnamed servant. Catch this. I think that this is absolutely key to this particular passage this morning, church. If God is going to make everything right, and that message is going to go everywhere, what will the servant that he uses, what will that servant be like? What will he, that servant be like? It's unexpected, really. There's a gentleness to this servant. Look at verses 2 and 3. A weak reed he will not crush. A flickering candle he will not put out. These are vivid images, church, describing the weak and the oppressed, those with hurts and habits and hang-ups. And for them, it says... There will be grace for the likes of these. Don't miss that. For the small and the insignificant, a non-violent Savior will come, one who seeks to bless, not destroy, one who seeks to serve instead of being a conquering tyrant. It's not that he doesn't have power, comes, it says there in verse 5, from the one who created the heavens. Later in verse 5, the one who gives breath to people. He has the power to do some really, really amazing things there. It's prophesied there in verse 7. The servant brings light to darkness and freedom to the captive and vision to blind people. This servant has the power of the universe and yet he gently cares for bruised people. So God's going to make everything right. He's going to do it everywhere. And he's going to do it through a servant that paradoxically is both powerful yet gentle. You with me? Good, good. You're doing a great job. We're unpacking a mystery, sort of like escaping from one of those mystery rooms, right? Those escape rooms. We've got 55 minutes left, or less. I promise, I promise. God's going to make things right. He's going to do it everywhere. He'll use someone who's powerful and gentle. One more thing from our text, and then we're going to apply it. Let's not forget this morning that this prophecy has a historical context, right? God was speaking here to very, very real people, people who just like you, and a lot like me, we tend to forget things. And God was saying that he was going to do something entirely new. Catch this. God was 
drawing attention from a particular moment in the Israelites' experience. Remember, these were people who were experiencing captivity and relocation and oppression and darkness and everything that had led them there, all that mess, all of that crud that had led them to that dark place. And God was reminding them of a larger purpose. God was going to do something entirely new. He was going to do something entirely new. Now, church, from our vantage point, we can look at this particular passage in Isaiah 42, and we can say, I know, I know who Isaiah was actually prophesying about. I know, it was Jesus. Yeah, it's Jesus, and it's true. Jesus is the servant here who makes everything right, everywhere, with the power to create, yet with the gentleness to serve. We can read about it in our Bibles. And so we read Luke chapter 4 in the New Testament, and there's that amazing story of Jesus. Pastor Mark alluded to it earlier. It's early on in his ministry. He's just experienced the temptation, and he goes into Nazareth, his hometown, and he goes to the synagogue, and he stands up, and he reads the very prophecy that we just read here this morning. Good news for the poor, and freedom for the prisoner, and sight for the blind, and freedom for the oppressed, and Jesus reads it, and then he rolls up the scroll, and he gives it back, and with every eye fastened on Jesus, he says, today, this scripture it's fulfilled through me. Now, can you imagine being part of that crowd in that particular synagogue that day? Powerful. That's like a Jesus mic drop in the ancient days. Jesus is the, the very servant prophesied about 500 years before. It's a prophecy that was fulfilled that day. Luke chapter 4. But friends, let's be honest. That day in the synagogue was like 2,000 years ago. What does an ancient Old Testament prophecy in Isaiah, like 2,500 years ago, fulfilled in Luke chapter 4, 2,000 years years ago. What does that have to do with us? How does that help us to actually gain freedom from the hurts in our own lives? The deep hurts. Some of them recent. Some of them a long, long time ago. And let me be clear this morning. In a room like this, a large gathering of people like this, guaranteed to some of you, that hurt is substantial. And it's complicated. really, really, really painful for some of you. And I don't want to make light of that. So 
how does Jesus making everything right everywhere in a gentle yet powerful way, how does that inform those hurts and those hangs and those stories from our past? How does this help us to be free from the past and its effects on us today? Quite honestly, it's not an uncommon question. The pastoral staff here at Moncton Wesleyan, we get asked that question almost weekly. In part, church, because if I can gently say, like the Israelites, <laughs> like me, like Tapper, <laughs> I think that we, that we are prone to forget sometimes. We are prone to forget sometimes. Situations happen, life happens. And those pressing, pressing issues, those urgent, real, real life issues, they can, they can obscure sometimes, can't they? The, the truth that we know about God and, and who we are. So I if you're here today, and you can't even imagine this morning, as I stand here this morning, you can't even imagine being free from your past. Gently, here are two simple reminders, and then we're done. The first reminder is this. In these complicated days, and in the midst of our difficulty, not outside, in the midst of the complexities of your past, we simply cannot, church, forget who God is and what God does. Quote me on this. Quote me. How you view God affects everything else in your life. Everything. How you view God affects everything in your life. Think about this. Amazingly, powerfully, our creator God is both beyond time and space and yet fully capable of gently intersecting the most intimate stories and details of your life. God rules the universe and yet he's present with you right now with us, with you in that particular situation you're thinking of. And this passage, church, it reminds us that our triune God, yes, God has an order to things, and he's working things out according to his perfect plan, powerfully, yet gently. Some of you are wearing silk today. You look beautiful in silk, by the way, some of you. Tremendously, especially you men who are brave enough to wear silk. Silk is smooth, right? Silk is soft. It's light. Silk is. Some of you have silk sheets, maybe. Hmm. You know, though, that silk is one of the strongest natural fibers in the universe? Did you know that? In fact, World War I and World War II fighter pilots discovered that thin layers of silk actually stopped low-velocity shrapnel. True story. And so they would 
wind lightweight silk scarves around their necks, and sometimes they would wind them under their leather helmets, both for comfort, yes, but also for strength. Isn't that interesting? Pound for pound, did you know that silk is actually stronger than steel? Hmm. Interesting. Today, scientists are actually working to discover how to genetically modify silkworms and silk to tap into and to actually utilize its astonishing strength. Something so soft and gentle silk is, yet surprisingly strong and powerful. Friends, let me ask this morning, in the midst of the difficulties from your past, What if you took a few moments before you left this morning or you took some time this week to take your your eyes off of those situations and consider the reality of a powerful and strong yet a gentle and calm God? What if we took the time to consider with awe the incredible paradoxical richness of a God with unrestricted creating power, yet a tender softness for us in our pain? What if we were intentional about taking time to remember who our God is and how our God acts towards us? Church, what a remarkable God we serve. What if we took some extra time this week to worship and attend rising this Wednesday as we enter into the Lent season? What if we took time to acknowledge a Redeemer who is willing to sacrifice his life for us so that we could be true and free and whole? What if we allowed ourselves to be filled with praise in the Spirit of an eternal God who is present even as we struggle excruciatingly with our past. Church, we're prone to forget to do this. We are. We forget who God is. How can you be free from your past? Remember who God is. Remember. Remember who God is and what God does. Second reminder from our passage this morning, and then we're done. Remember who you are. Remember who you are. Remember who you are. Those painful situations from your past, for some of you, mistakenly, you're defining yourself today by that past. Broken. Captive. Loser. Addict. Fighter. Prisoner. Anxious. Afraid. In the context of our story this morning, the Israelites, they started questioning who they were we really still God's people? 
even if we've been captured by the Babylonians. And so God powerfully yet gently broke into that reality through a prophet named Isaiah to show them a different view of themselves from the way that their past led them to see themselves. And church, God is still, God is still in the business of reminding us who we are. Here's a real-life example of this. Let's watch together. Shot by Pastor Shane at Teen Challenge at Memram Cook here earlier this week. Well, we met at church the first time, um, but we became friends after we moved in with my brother and started coming to our small group. I remember when we met. It was a nice day. It was, it was cool. Um, it was a Sunday. <laughs> or a Thursday. We met at church. <laughs> it was a Sunday. <laughs> the first year by itself was okay, but then it started to, to turn because, you know, I became captive to my addiction. Uh, even in dating, we had, or I had carried in uh, baggage from past relationships and then in our marriage from, from hurts. It was tough at home just because we were walking on eggshells. We just didn't really know um, what was going on. And, and to be honest, I didn't know about an addiction. I was very demanding and argumentative and was met with the same. We have very different personalities. I'm a stay and fight, and Tia is a, a flea type of guy. So that made it very difficult to communicate and get anywhere. Oh man, I was about to lose my family, period. It, it shook me, it scared me, you know what I mean? Like I've never, I've never been in a position where I felt like I might actually lose my family, you know? And yeah, I had to say, um, you can't come home. That was after um, us trying to beat that addiction in our own strength and really getting nowhere. Well, like I've never been not coming home. Like I've been, you gotta fix this or clean this up and you can come home, but you're not coming home, that was new. And it was very, very uncomfortable. Came to Teen Challenge. A buddy of ours had gone through the program and was successful at it and I needed to be broken of certain things. I needed to have some rights taken away from me. I needed to, I needed to be humble. I grew more in the year that Tia was away at Teen Challenge than um, ever in my life. Um, because of the work that was happening in Tia, I was able to trust him and learn from him. Um, I learned to trust God. I, I learned to trust in him for all things, for the little things in our life and the big things. Um, we began tithing and trusting God more with our finances, which was something that Tia had to tell me to do when things were at their bleakest for us. Oh, I used to feel a lot bigger about myself before, as crazy as that sounds. I was a lot more conceited and cocky in that I was the man, as opposed to now where I'm just happy to, I'm happy to be involved in the things I'm involved in. Um, and I know that I'm just playing a part in a really, really, really big picture. Who I was before, uh, I was anxious and very afraid of what the future held. Because I'm busy doing nothing that would give me any type of uh, eternal reward, even in church. Even in serving church, it was about being busy rather than serving. 
even though I feel like some weeks I'm busier than ever, uh, there's, there's a, I know that it's because I'm serving. I know that it's because I'm doing something that means something for somebody, um, for Jesus. I feel like we found areas of ministry that suit our personalities and who we are and have really been able to use them to, uh, to impact people. And it's allowed us to kind of be able to deal with the fact that we're both busy people because we know, I know when she's real busy, it's because she's out changing the world somewhere. She knows if I'm real busy, I'm bringing young people to the Lord. Because we've been able to find freedom from the things that were holding us captive, um, we've been blessed with the opportunity to help others find freedom from the things that are holding them captive. And I believe we use our talents, our gifts, our, our hearts, all of that um, as a couple to support each other in the ministries that we're a part of to help go do the same thing. Is that? Isn't that great? Isn't that great? Yeah. Church, Tia and Tasha, they can testify that there is freedom from the past. There is. God can help us see things that when we're in the moment, we, we just can't. We just can't. Sometimes our past, it attaches labels on us. Tasha and Tia, they just mentioned a few of them, right? We hold on to those labels. And they impact how we view ourselves and how we view our reality. But church, God has different labels for you. God has different labels for you. wants to speak into your past, into our broken identities, just like he did for Israel. And just like he did for Tia and Tasha, he says to Tia, Tia, I'm going to bring you freedom from addiction and conceit. Tasha, I'm going to bring you freedom from the need to argue and always be busy. Tia and Tasha, I'm going to, I'm going to restore your marriage. Church, please hear me. Those of you who are trapped by the titles of your past, you won't shed those titles looking for answers beyond God. You won't. Some of you have tried. Most of you have tried. It doesn't work. Our world tells us these fleeting lies, fleeting ideas like you're beautiful, you're rich, you're smart, you're sophisticated, you're sexy, you're cooler when you're drunk or you're stoned. Those titles, they don't satisfy. They don't satisfy. You know this. They don't fill the hole. They don't free us from our painful past, do they? Listen, God says, you may have forgotten who you really are. But I haven't forgotten, God says. He reminds us that our identity as humans is found in him. Read this book. Read it. All through it, 
God challenges the image that we have of ourselves. And he gives us a new identity. We feel shame because of our past sin. But God says we are free. And there is no longer any condemnation for us in him. We think that we are stuck with our secret, irresistible habit. That deep, dark secret. But God says he chose us to be holy and without fault in his eyes. We think that we aren't worth much, and we fail to value the body that God has given us. And God says our bodies are a temple where the Holy Spirit lives. We feel empty, and God says we're given all the fullness, all the fullness. We think that we are living the the same life that we've always lived, and God says our life is now hidden with Christ in God. We feel that we can't ask God for a whole lot of things. And God says, come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. You thought you were a citizen of Canada. God says, you are a citizen of heaven. You thought that you were timid and shy and lazy. But God gave you a spirit, church, of power and love and self-discipline. You feel like you're not good enough. But God calls you holy, belonging, chosen, and a special treasure. Believe it. Believe it. Friends, if we allow our past experiences to determine how we see ourselves, and if we do not give God room to speak into our identities, listen, we may be accomplices, listen, we may be accomplices to the hijacking of our own destiny and the restricting of our own life. It's true. Sadly, it's entirely possible, though not necessary, to live in bondage to Satan's lies, either because of our own mistakes from the past or because of someone else's bad choices of sin against us. Friends, you don't want to live there. You don't want to live there. Nobody wants to live there. But don't forget who you really are. Don't forget who you are. What if instead of remaining there, locked in the past, you took some time before we left even today, or maybe later this week in a conversation, to embrace God's view of yourself, an accurate view of who you are. You've been great listeners this morning. We're going to stand. I'd invite you to stand this morning. The powerful, gentle God in Isaiah chapter 42, later in Luke chapter 4, the very same God who makes everything right everywhere in his time is the very same God today who doesn't want you to forget who God is and who you are. And so as we sing this morning and as we respond, I want to remind us, let's remind ourselves, let's remind our forgetful hearts and our forgetful minds that no matter what the past has caused us to believe, and no matter how long we 
may have forgotten what our true identity actually is. But the gentle lover of our soul wants to do a new thing. Some of you need to be free from your past. We're going to sing. Come forward as we sing. If you feel led, if you want to stand and worship, you do whatever you want to do to respond to God in a meaningful sort of way. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you, God, that you have provided freedom from our past. And we thank you, God, for the truth of your word in Isaiah 42. There are some folks here today that need freedom from deep hurts, habits, and hang-ups, pain from the past. You are gentle. You are powerful. Speak into those situations, God. Help us to rem remember who you are and help us to remember who we are in your name.